Well, the sermon uh, by request that we're going to do today, I believe, is, is one of the more important questions that a Christian uh, needs to consider and answer. I mean, obviously, there's a great many uh, issues and important topics that as believers we should have taken some time to think through, and we should have, or at least be in the process uh, of getting uh, a confident conviction based on the Bible about the many issues facing us today, and, and we should know what we think and what we believe. Uh, and that little phrase, um, uh, based on the Bible in that previous statement, that's, that's really inc- incredibly important because uh, the truth is uh, something is going to influence what you think and believe. And if it's not God's Word, then what do you have left? Your own intellectual prowess is that going to be good enough the group think of culture the media dr phil you know, the collective wisdom of the world i mean what are you going to base your convictions on says as a christian the bible gives us a firm foundation for for building the principles that will guide our lives and because the truth is, whatever you think and believe, that is what's going to guide your life. So constructing your convictions based on the Bible is vital in any and every area of life, but especially when we come to the sermon by request today. This person wrote this. The Bible warns against false teaching and false teachers. Even the elect. God's chosen ones can be deceived according to Matthew 24, 24. What are some false teachings or teachers today to be aware of? And how can we be sure of what or who is false and what is true? I think that's a very good question, a series of questions there. Something definitely worth talking about, but actually before we even get into that, her very question presupposes another incredibly controversial and under fire uh, issue in our culture today. And that's this. If there is such a thing as false, then that must mean that there is truth. And I don't know whether you've noticed this or not, but the truth, that the whole idea, the whole concept of truth is being attacked to the point where it's actually almost socially unacceptable to talk about truth in in today's culture. So we're going to actually deal with that subject first, the whole idea of truth, and then we'll move into the specific questions of the request. So for our starting point uh, this morning, uh, hopefully you grabbed your Bible, turned to the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 18. Many of you will recognize this as we uh, read it, uh, but follow along as I read verses 37 and 38 of John, chapter 18. And it says this, Therefore Pilate said to him, him being Jesus, Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For I, this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. 
Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to worship together this morning. We do thank you for the veterans of this country who have fought for and provided these freedoms for us to live by. God, we're so grateful that we can publicly hold up your word and read it, that we can pray, that we can seek you together. God, we ask as we begin looking into this topic of truth that you would lead us, guide us. Um, God, I pray that your spirit would make things clear in our hearts and minds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think uh, one thing that is clear right from the very start as we begin looking at this topic is is that questioning the truth is not actually something new to our culture. The the context of those verses we read, and I hope you keep your Bible open there because we'll look back at them a bit, but uh, that is the arrest and trial of Jesus just prior to his crucifixion. Pontius Pilate was the Roman governor over all of Israel and that territory there, and he was in charge of handling all judicial decisions, which meant that Jesus' fate was in his hands, or at least from a human perspective. I mean, at one point during this whole uh, trial and Jesus wasn't cooperating the way that Pilate thought he should, uh, he got a little bit testy and we read, so Pilate said to him, you do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? And, And no doubt, you know, Pilate was sincere in what he said, right? He, he truly believed, and from his perspective, it really seemed like he was the guy in charge. He had the power, and he was trying to use his position of authority to get uh, what he wanted out of Jesus. But here's what he heard back when he made that statement. Jesus answered to him, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. So if you were here last Sunday, you, you would uh, remember uh, that we are emphasizing the truth uh, that God is sovereign over the governments of the world and Jesus again was uh, pointing that out. So the indictment that had been brought against Jesus was that he was claiming to be a king and therefore he would be a threat to Caesar and the Roman government. So that's why Pilate asked his question, asked if Jesus was a king. And Jesus did answer in the affirmative, but then he he kind of switched it uh, in terms of his kingdom. He let him know that his kingdom was about truth. For this purpose, he said, I came in to testify to talk about, to make known truth. And that's when we get the famous line from Pilate, right? What is truth? You know, one of the limitations of of the written word is that it can't convey tone of voice. And, And so it leaves a whole lot out of how you would understand something. That is why I am not a big fan of uh, using text 
to uh, talk about a sensitive or important subject. I mean, you might be texting one thing and you're thinking in one tone of voice and the person receiving it reads it in a completely different way and they might end up believing the exact opposite of what you tried to communicate. So don't text me. No, just kidding. You can. It's the same thing with Pilate here, right? We have no idea what his tone of voice was when he asked this question. I mean, was he sincerely troubled and, and, and wondering how do we even know what truth is? Or was he dismissive, implying that nobody can know what the truth is? Or maybe his words were tinged with a hint of cynicism, right? Suggesting there's no such thing as truth. Or even if there is, it really doesn't matter to us. It's not something we can discover or know. I mean, we have no way of knowing for sure what he was implying. What we do know is what Jesus said. That one of the purposes for his coming into this world was to testify, that is to make known the truth. And if we believe that the Bible is the Word of God and that Jesus Christ Himself was God in the flesh, which is what I believe and, and what we as a church hold to, well then, the one thing we can know from certainty uh, from this verse is that there is such a thing as truth because that's what Jesus stated. And if there is truth, then there must also be error and falsehood. And it's that particular proposition that is under attack in our culture. This whole idea of truth is, is really disputed territory. And, and I'm going to tell you why I think that is in, in a few minutes. But first, I want to take a, a few minutes to look at the, the primary definitions that are common right now in our culture that, that people are using to define truth that actually, in, in, in truth, in reality, undermine or make an attack on truth. Three different things that are common. Number one is they will say that truth is what works, right? Uh, they, they will use that philosophy in all areas of life, but especially when it comes to religion or as it is more commonly called today, spirituality, right? If you uh, find something and it makes you happy, if it brings you peace, it makes uh, uh, you content, well, uh, whatever it is then, if it works for you, then it's okay. I mean, furthermore, if it works for you, then that means it's true for you. I'm sure you've all heard that statement, right? It can be true for you. But what... The, the, the obvious meaning of that is, is something can be true for you, but not true for them, not true for me, not true for someone else so should what is true for you be allowed to define truth what if what works for you is stealing all your neighbor's money so that you don't have to work and you can spend all day eating Cheetos and watching NASCAR right if that's your truth should you be allowed to live by your truth? 
You know, it's impossible to let everybody have their own truth without infringing upon others at some point. Now, second main argument that people use to define truth is uh, similar, but actually just a little bit more radical that, and it says truth is whatever you feel. However you're feeling at the moment, then that can define what is true. Therefore, what is true could flow and shift and, and, and even uh, evolve multiple times throughout the day. So once again, that leaves that person in that state of affairs of what's true for you might not be true for them and us and this other type of thing. But it actually goes beyond that to say that your truth can never be changing. You don't even have to hold to the same truth from morning till supper time. It can change throughout the day and it can be the exact opposite of somebody else's truth. And, you know, you see this argument a lot today, especially uh, in the current gender wars that are going on. For the fun of it, I tried looking up how many genders are currently being recognized here in the United States. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that it was only two, right? A male and female. Did you know that those are now called binary genders? Binary genders, and, and they put them on opposite ends of a spectrum. And so then trying to find out how many genders there are is, is really difficult because it keeps changing. So I... I came across this statement on one website, quote, there's only one good answer to the question of how many genders there are. Gender is a spectrum, and there are as many gender definitions as there needs to be for every person to have a label that feels true to themselves, end quote. So did you notice that in that statement, what you feel is what determines what is true. But of course, we have the same problem with that as we did in the previous argument. What happens when your feelings for what you want to call true conflict with someone else's? Who gets to determine then what is right? In fact, how can you even define right and wrong if feelings are what determine what is truth? You have no basis to, de to define anything as right or wrong. Now, the third way our culture tries to define truth is by saying truth is what science tells us. And this one sounds at least a little more plausible. It does contain at least a, a, a kernel of truth. But I want you to understand there's, there's two main problems with that statement. First, science makes all kinds of claims that later prove to be demonstrably false. And that's not necessarily because there's any uh, intent of that way. It's just because scientific knowledge is incomplete. And it's always growing and therefore always changing. But, but along with that, there are some scientists who make claims for things that are not scientifically provable, but they want it to be stated as science. For something to pass the test of science, at least as it's defined, 
in science workbooks and stuff. It's supposed to be observable and or testable and repeatable in a controlled environment such as a laboratory. So evolution is, is one of those things that which is claimed by so many to be true, but it can't pass either one of those scientific um, tests. Now the second problem with science is that it is limited to only the physical. Only that which can be seen and touched, uh, measured or quantified. That's all they can deal with. But we know that in this life, there is much more than just the physical. For instance, science cannot tell you what an emotion is. They can't tell you what an emotion is. Uh, they know that they're real, but they're non-physical. They, they cannot be studied under a microscope, tested in a lab. You know, now scientists can see what emotions do, right? They can see what they do to your brain and, and in your body. They can talk about the chemicals that are released when a, when a certain emotion is being experienced by a person, but they cannot isolate an emotion. They can only see what it does, what it produces to you. So obviously, when it comes to the non-material world, to the spiritual, such as your soul, your spirit, a conscience. Science has no idea what a conscience is or God, right? Science has no answers nor even any way to investigate any of those things. So it's incomplete. And yet Jesus said, there is truth. So why? Why would something that is really as common sense and as practical and a, as really quite easily uh, identified as truth, why would there be such an attack against it? Why come up with definitions uh, about truth that actually undermine this whole concept uh, or, or idea of what truth is, making it something malleable and, and subjective instead of concrete and objective? And, and here's why... I think it happens. Thinking clearly, logically, honestly about truth ultimately leads a person to God. Truth requires an unchanging standard. Truth must be something that is actual and real, does not change. Webster's Dictionary defines truth as the true or actual state of a matter, conformity with fact or reality. And that's why in the Bible, God is defined as and described as the God of truth. Meaning truth is who he is. It's an un undivided essential attribute of his character. It is the actual state of the matter, a fact in reality. That's who God is. And that's why Jesus, who was God in the flesh, described himself as being, uh, saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? He is in his person the truth. So biblical definition of truth then would be this. Truth is the self-expression of God. 
right? All truth comes from God since He is truth. And, and so as the creator of the world and the creator of all the laws of nature, anything that is discovered in this world is an expression of God's truth, the truth that He made. Right? When Sir Isaac Newton got bonked on the head with an apple and thought up uh, uh, this idea about gravity, he was discovering God's truth. Since man is made in the image of God, when we use logic to arrive at truth, 2 plus 2 equals That was good. A, a little slow. But did you know, notice that everybody came up with the same answer? Why? It's truth. We're just discovering the truth that God has given us. God's nature is consistent, logical, unchanging, stable, reliable, faithful. So thinking honestly about truth leads a person to God because for truth to exist, there has to be that ultimate unchanging reality and that unchanging reality is God. That's why if you ever do a study of the great philosophers of history who have tried their best to define truth apart from God, you'll see that all their efforts ended in failure. I had to take a philosophy class in college. It was the most useless class I was ever in. We learned about man's efforts to try to define the truth, leaving God out of the equation. Socrates suggested one thing, right? Well, then Plato came along and said, no, that's not going to work, and he put up something new. And, and, and then Aristotle chucked both of them and, and debunked that and did his own, and then came along Descartes and Locke and Kent and Hegel and Kierkegaard and Nietzsche and Marx and on and on. The list keeps going, right? And each successive guy... It shows the faults and the failures of the systems before them in terms of dealing with truth and reality, and then they put up their own system, which looks really good until the next guy comes along. And that's how it's always been all the way down through history. But no one has able, been able to debunk God as hard as they try. And they do try hard, right? And it's no... Wonder that Satan tries to attack truth because in attacking truth, he's attacking God. All, all the arguments against God ultimately come down to one of those three arguments about truth that we just looked at, right? Uh, what works for you, uh, your feelings, or science. Uh, that's all they can use to try to go against it. And we've already shown the, the failures or the falsehoods of those arguments. They can offer no guide to what is true. Truth must start with God because God is, as the dictionary defines it, the true or actual state of a matter, conformity with fact and reality. Now think about that definition. Think about that definition I just read. I should have had it printed up there, I guess, for you so you could see it. What are the logical inferences that we can make 
about truth from that definition. In other words, what are the, some of the, of the things that we can know about truth? What can we know is true about truth based on that known, given understanding of truth? Well, I think there's at least five things that, that I've learned and come across, right? Number one, truth is discovered. It is not invented. Man does not make truth. Truth exists independent of anyone's knowledge about it, right? Germs cause colds. That was true even before someone looked through a microscope and saw a germ for the very first time. It was true before they made the connection between germs and how it brings about sickness in your body. Learning those things did not make it true, Man simply understood and discovered truth that was previously unknown. That's actually why there can't be my truth and your truth and someone else's truth. There can only be the truth. Truth is something that exists outside of us, outside of our knowledge of it. it and it's just waiting for us to discover it. Number two, truth is transcultural. If something is true, it must be true for all people in all places at all times. If truth is the actual state of affairs, conformity to reality, as common sense in the dictionary would tell us, then it cannot change simply based on who happens to be looking at the truth. Gravity pulls you down to earth no matter who you are, where you are, what part of the globe you're on, right? It's the same for everybody, everywhere, at all times because it's true. Which leads to the third thing we can know about truth. Truth is unchanging even though our beliefs about truth may change. People used to believe that the earth was flat. Now, uh, later on, it was discovered to be a globe. Now there's a bunch of people that are trying to go back to believing that the earth is flat again. Guess what? No matter what a person believes about the earth, it doesn't change the shape of the earth. It is what it is, right? Truth is unchanging no matter what people might believe about it. You could believe it's a triangle if you want. It's not going to change what is true. So that it leads to actually a corollary to that statement is that an individual's belief, right, cannot change the truth no matter how sincerely they believe that thing that they're holding to. Sincerity has nothing to do with discovering truth. A man can walk into my office and sincerely believe that he is a cat. He might honestly tell me that he identifies as a cat. But none of those sincerely held beliefs change what is true about that man. His nature, down to his DNA, says he's a man. So what you believe 
does not impact or change what is true. Four, truth is also not affected by attitude. An arrogant person does not make the truth that he confesses false just because he's acting like a jerk. A humble person does not make what they confess to be true. He doesn't make it true just because they're really nice. I've actually had many people tell me, well, how could that person be wrong in what they believe, what they're calling truth, because they're so nice or they're so happy or they're so content or whatever. But your attitude has nothing to do with whether or not something is true. Fifth thing, all truth by virtue of their nature, all truths are absolute truths. There's no such thing as a non-absolute truth. Even things that might seem at first glance to be subjective, if it's a truth, it's absolute. I mean, you could, you could take as an example, you, you know, like the weather, right? There's a lot of subjectiveness to the weather. A person could say, it's cold out today. Is that truth? No, that's an opinion, right? That's, that's subjective. might be cold to you, but if you just came from the Antarctic where it's 75 below zero, you'd say, it's pretty balmy out today. Now, as a truth, you can say, it's colder today than it was yesterday. That's a truth that cannot be changed. You can say at 8 a.m., it was 31 degrees outside on Sunday, November 10th. That's a truth that is going to be there at all times, right? If it's changeable, it's not truth. It's just an opinion or a belief. Truth, by virtue of its own nature, has to be absolute. So, with all that in mind, can you see how truth is a reflection of God? Right? That's why if people honestly begin seeking and talking about truth, it's going to lead them to God. I mean, think about those five things that we just learned about truth and insert the word God instead of the word truth there. God is not an invention of man. What we know about him was discovered by looking into God's revealed word. God is transcultural. He is not the God of the Jews only, but of the whole world. His salvation is for all people in all places at all times. God never changes, even though a person's belief about him may change. Right? Chances are your belief about God has changed as you came to know him and got to know him better and better. That didn't mean God changed just meant your understanding or your beliefs about him changed. Change, uh, um, God remains who he is in all his grace and glory no matter what the attitude is of the person who either believes or disbelieves in him and God is absolute. 
a sincere think, uh, seeking for truth is going to lead people to God. So is it any wonder that Satan has tried to make a mockery of the concept of truth? Because here's the, here's the bottom line. If he can get people to believe that there's no such thing as truth or that man can't really ever know what is true or that truth can be whatever you want it to be. If he can get people to believe that, then he can deceive and keep multitudes away from finding the person who is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. So he attacks truth. But God wants people to find him. So he gave us his revealed word so that we could discover what is true. You remember Jesus prayed this prayer for all of us when he said, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Because God is truth, the expression of everything God puts out, including the revelation of himself, is truth. So God's word will settle your conviction. It will give you confidence in this life. It will help you to know truth and more importantly, not just what is truth, but who is truth. The Lord Jesus Christ. And understanding that, well then that begins to help us answer the questions that were posed in this sermon by request, which we're going to look at next Sunday. So let's pray. Father God, you are truth. Jesus is the truth. Your word is truth. It does not surprise us that Satan would want to attack that. That he would use that as a tool to manipulate and to deceive and to drag so many people away from you. So God, help us to be people who are not afraid to speak of truth, of the truth, Help us to be gracious and kind and gentle when we do so, but also firm and confident. Because as Jesus said, he came to testify of the truth. He has given it to us. We can be assured in it. So thank you for that, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.